Welcome to a new episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. This week, we're featuring a preview in anticipation of the 50th anniversary edition of New Directors New Films, a festival that has celebrated filmmakers who represent the present and anticipate the future of cinema, taking place virtually and in theaters from April 28th to May 8th. In celebration of this year's milestone, we're excited to also present NDNF at 50, a free virtual retrospective looking back on the festival's history, available nationwide in our virtual cinema from April 16th to 28th. Join the programmers from Film at Lincoln Center and the Museum of Modern Art as they discuss their top picks from this year's festival and retrospective. To get tickets to this year's NDNF, which go on sale April 16th, and for more information on the free retrospective, visit newdirectors.org. This talk was first available to FLC members who play such a vital role in all we do. If you're interested in supporting FLC by becoming a member and exploring member benefits, visit filmlink.org members for more information. Our sponsors include Amazon Studios presenting Time, now nominated for an Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature, winner of two IDA Awards, two Cinema Eye Honors, a Doc NYC Award, and named Best Documentary by the LA Film Critics. Streaming now on Prime Video. This episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber, presenting Slalom from director Charlene Favier and starring Noya Bita and Jeremy Renier. An official selection of the Cannes Film Festival and Rendezvous with French Cinema, Slalom is now playing in select theaters and virtual cinemas nationwide. Hello everyone, my name is Wendy Keyes and I am the Secretary of the Board of Directors at Film at Lincoln Center and former longtime employee, decades in fact. I'm thrilled to celebrate 50 years of new directors, new films, particularly because I was there on day one. I loved watching this program grow as we introduced so many new American and international talents to our rapt and loyal audiences. This year, we will be presenting the series in a new hybrid format, playing nationally on our virtual cinema, as well as in person at the Walter Reed Theater. Please enjoy tonight's preview event. Thank you. Thank you so much for this lovely introduction. Um, uh, La, you're mute, so I'm, I'm warning you, but maybe you and I <laughs> should start talking about um, uh, this year's program as we were both co-chair uh, and it was the first time that both of us were co-chair uh, uh, for the festivals. So it was a very nice uh, partnership. Um, so yeah, we can talk a little bit maybe about the, the process that we went through. Um, it was a bit of a tricky year as everybody can just imagine and we were not that sure how many films we would be able to uh, to see and to actually program uh, because a lot of festivals were uh, changing their settings. Uh, it was not possible to travel. We ended up watching a lot of films on, uh, on links as opposed to in a beautiful dark screening room. Uh, so it made the process a little bit more um, trickier in terms of uh, watching films together in the screening room and being able to discuss things right away. Uh, but it, we ended up with a very strong uh, lineup, I think. Uh, I think the committee was very happy about the diversity uh, and uh, the strengths of all the film we were able to, to select and uh, share with the audience. Uh, we all have some favorites, obviously. Sometimes we don't say which one they are until the festival is over, so no one is jealous. <laughs> Uh, but uh, overall, we were all uh, very much in sync for uh, selecting films from all these different uh, corners of the world. Uh, we tried to go beyond uh, the US and uh, the usual suspects. I mean, there's always you know, a lot of French films when I'm around, not this year, uh, and tried to go uh, in different continents. Uh, try, you know, it's a discovery festival, so we can't really. Um, uh, get films from uh, the, you know, just uh, from based on names and uh, recommendation. We get recommendation from people who've made films and who have uh, been involved in some films, but it's, uh, it's a very interesting festival to work on. So personally, I was very glad to be working on it and to be a, a co-chair. It was uh, quite an honor. Uh, maybe, La, you can then say something about uh, your point of view. 
Yeah, um, Flo, it's been such a pleasure to work with you to be co-chairs. Um, the pandemic had a very strange effect on the way we work. And suddenly, um, I, last year I was co-chair with Dennis Lim and we never talked to each other quite as much as like you and I talked to each other. <laughs> and we were like, for a stretch of time, we were seeing each other like on Zoom or other video checks like once or twice a week. And um, so we were, and then the committee also got together several times um, on Zoom. So I think where the, I mean, we could not go to film festivals to talk to the other colleagues in the industry about these films, but um, within our group, we, we actually had many conversations about the films. And I think that we never really even tried to make sure that we had films from this country, that continent or women directors or different genres. It just naturally came together as a very diverse group of films. And I'm particularly proud of that. So we have a total of 38 films, um, 27 features and 11 shorts. And also because this year is the 50th anniversary, so we worked double. <laughs> we came up with like a whole retrospective program with 11 films. And uh, we're really, really proud of what this festival has done for 50 years. We have launched a lot of great careers. We actually looked at this whole list of um, films we showed in the festival's history. And it moved me tremendously. Like we have been part of this journey of um, cinema history. And um, so I'm extremely excited to share this joy with mm -hmm. this group and also the audience. Mm -hmm. It's true. I mean, working on the retrospective part was a little bit uh, extra fun because we all as programmer work in uh, repertory cinema. Uh, bringing like old titles or like classic titles back, which is not something we usually do for a new director, new films. But it's true when we went through the list of 50 years of a new director, new film, it was incredible. Um, I've been aware of the history of the festival, but more recently from the, I'd say from the 90s up when I moved to New York. Uh, and, but looking back from like the, the 70 years and the 80 years was just incredible to see all these directors who showed their like uh, early films, sometimes not just the first film, sometimes second or third. They've also been some filmmakers who had uh, a couple of repeats in the festival, but it was, uh, it's nearly where we would have nearly the most, no, I wouldn't say arguments, but, uh, just like, oh, we have to show this one, and then we have to show this one. And then the list was like so long. It was really hard, really hard to cut. Uh, we couldn't get everything we wanted due to like availability and of the film and um, to show virtually or like right issues because uh, some films don't have uh, distribution or no longer have distribution. They're not always very easy to track, uh, but it was, it was really a, a fun process. Um, yeah, and it is really the program itself is a gift to the cinephiles. I mean, it's entirely free for everyone to watch. And I really encourage everyone to try to watch these films. I, I looked at several recently just uh, to refresh my memory. And it's just beautiful to look at film. These are, none of these are digital works. I mean, we, we, we um, selected only films before year 2000. And it's just different texture and the color tones different. It's, uh, I feel very nostalgic. And, um, and it was also like just opposing the, the retrospective program with our latest edition. You see how, how, how cinema has changed and it is um, always um, on a move. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, maybe Dan and Tyler also want to, um, and, and Maddie also, because you also worked on the retrospective, like you could mention um, what your experience was, uh, because going through the list, we were all adding our favorites, and then somebody had to like cross it off, and it, was, it wasn't easy. Well, uh, I might add that like, um, when we were 
coming up with the the list of titles i think we all kind of had a sense of uh we didn't we weren't super interested in showing anything like especially obvious or anything that's just kind of like so available and canonical and so on that it, because like the spirit of new directors is not sort of it has nothing to do with uh any like the canon or a canon right it's like the groundwork for you know like maybe one day uh, or you know in some cases in in a recent case i think um you know i think of a film like an elephant sitting still as something that maybe got canonized like almost immediately for various reasons but um but in any event insofar as these things are like real like bodies of knowledge that we like work in reference to like like new directors for me has always been kind of like the groundwork for how you even get to that point so um so i think we were kind of we were more interested in just finding the films that are the most new directors if that makes sense the most synonymous with kind of the spirit of the festival both like historically you know like at the time films that were important but also like you know when, when, uh, when we're looking back uh, just things that really popped out as being significant so um i think that's all that i wanted to add for now i mean if we could, if we're calling out personal highlights uh, I, I have some of those but um I mean, I, I would just add that it, yeah, it was really, it was really fun thinking about the, the lineup for the retrospective, because of course they were all like films that we loved. There weren't, it wasn't really a matter of talking about films that we disliked. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> like these aren't new directors, but I think what's kind of exciting about, you know, the format that we're presenting these in is that these might actually be new directors to some people, uh, which is kind of exciting to introduce maybe filmmakers who we're quite familiar with, but, you know, uh, others may not be. And the fact that anyone in the country can access these movies is for free, no less, is, you know, all the more exciting. There's also something uh, that I find really meaningful and, and sort of satisfyingly meta about a retrospective of a festival. Uh, you know, working as a programmer, obviously our work is so much uh, the first and foremost about promoting and elevating and celebrating the art and the artist. Uh, but it's exciting at 50 years to look back and, you know, having having Wendy with us in this conversation is, is sort of um, maybe making, making this all especially meaningful. But I think looking back on the work of our predecessors and sort of the, the history of the institution of the festival is, is really uh, provides a new lens, I think, for looking at the, the work that we continue to do with, you know, new editions of the festival. And I think it's just a really lovely way to sort of put the history in conversation with this year's edition. Um, I, I'd like to add, too, that I, I'm impressed by your list. It's not all red carpet names, which you could have done, you know, with the Steven Spielberg, Spike Lee, um, you know, the people that we introduced as, as youngsters and, and then became big names. And the fact that while you do have well-known people, obviously Charles Burnett and Vim Vendors and Sarah Driver and Chantal, uh, it's, it's, um, it, it reflects really the spirit of the, the series, I think, better. Your list than just, you know, showing off what we've, um, what we've launched when in fact it is just an ongoing process of of digging through brand new films. Nobody knows anything about them. I mean, we'd never heard of Vim Vendors before we showed Goalie. And uh, it was, it's just, it's exciting later in retrospect to see them grow. And, and then of course they graduate to the New York Film Festival in most cases. But um, I think that your list of retrospective titles are, are just terrific. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, if I could, uh, thank you. But if I could, if I could speak for um, for Florence here, I would say that one one omission from our list that we're we were quite um, sad about <laughs> was the uh, the the oldest ever uh, filmmaker uh, selected for new directors new films. Um, it would, I I really you know some of us felt strongly about the idea of showing uh, Manuel de Oliveira's film that was in new directors, but admittedly he wasn't. He was known at the not not in the U.S. maybe so much, but you know. Um, in any event, I just wanted to. I always like calling out the fact that Manuel Oliveira was he seventy eight? Yeah, yeah. Why do you seventy years old? So I just think that's the coolest thing. Well, and uh, then, so I always bring it up. 
we showed Shohei Imamura uh, when he his well his career had well advanced at that point, but he was new to the American audiences. Usually, we don't do that, or didn't do that. But uh, the he, he's such an important filmmaker that we really wanted to break a rule or bend a rule a little bit to include. He was probably a septuagenarian too at that point, but um, worth bending rules every so often. Yeah, and Agreed. then the, the world has changed a lot as well. Um, it nowadays is very unlikely there's like a hidden gem nobody has ever heard of <laughs> hiding somewhere in some other corner of the world. Um, the festival programmers around the world have done a good job of making sure that like if there's something really great people should see, they will be seen. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, information doesn't travel the same way because it used to be uh, that if you didn't go to the country, uh, you know, if you didn't go to Russia, if you didn't go to Japan, you wouldn't really know about uh, a lot of the work and directors working then because it didn't travel as, as easily. Then it was the time of the VHS tape that people would send in like big box wheels and bulk things. <laughs> uh, it was a little better, but then, you know, still not that, not that much. And then it, now it's, it's, yeah, information travels like way more uh, freely. So it's like, maybe there's still something to discover, but it's just a little bit more unlikely than, than it used to be, I would, I would think. Should we talk about this series? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think Dan is really eager to mention his favorites from for this year. No, I, well, I'm not gonna. You know, I don't want to steal the spotlight here, Florence. The the, the floor is yours. Uh, the floor is mine, as 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 I like to hear. Uh, actually, I was lucky to be able to go to one festival this year. Uh, I was able to go to Berlin and to see movies in the cinema. Uh, uh, and after a year of uh, dark uh, life without movies, it was quite amazing to see uh, some of his film in the cinema. Some of them um, from Berlin are actually included in the lineup, uh, and some will be in the New York Film Festival. Um, but uh, I realized what a difference um, it makes when you watch a film by yourself in a screening room uh, all alone and you really, really concentrate on what you're watching as opposed to when you're home. And even with the best intention, there's uh, way more interruption. And sometimes even movies we really like, we have to restart them a few times to really get to the spirit of the, of the work. And I feel sometimes a little uh, sad for filmmakers who don't get to watch their their films on a, on a big screen and they had a whole year of like things would only premiere online and um, not uh, be able to, to share with an audience. So it was a little difficult, um, but I did enjoy going to a festival and I'm really glad that we are able to uh, reopen our cinemas and to have the selection uh, to be um, available on the big screen. I mean, for the lucky few who can come to the Walteria um, cinema. Uh, I don't know if I do, I don't know if I want to go through all my favorites. I think it, it has to go in a more, uh, somebody has to start, I don't want to be the first one. <laughs> um, but I, I would um, add that as La mentioned earlier, there was no uh, discussion of quotas or uh, we need to include like films from like, uh, certain countries or more female directors. Uh, we had a, it all came naturally and based on the strengths of each films. Uh, it wasn't something like, oh, we don't, you know, we, we miss this or we miss that. And when I look at the lineup now, I, I'm just really excited to see that uh, there's a lot of uh, women's directors uh, who are making really strong films, uh, not just first film, but I think uh, a lot of them will have a really interesting career. And uh, most of the film that we're showing there uh, by these directors, I really want to see what else are they going to do after. It's not, it's, I love the first film. I love the film we're showing, but I'm also very excited about the work they're going to create. I find a lot of them are very original, 
very unique voice. And I, I think it's exciting to see uh, what else we're going to, you know, be able to to film and, and share with, with us and with the audience. This is also something that um, I look for as well when usually when I go to festivals um, to watch films by filmmakers that I've never heard of. Um, I, I think about this person's next work. Sometimes you can look at this work that is like so uneven, there are a lot of problems, but you know this person's next film, it's going in the right direction. And um, so, so for me, what, what excites me is that I, I think our lineup is like these filmmakers are all very accomplished because otherwise we would not be selecting these films. But at the same time, it's like, I know that their, their careers will be what I will be watching. Should I go first then? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, actually, I mean, just picking up the this this thread that um, that Florence and, and Law have been tracing, uh, I want to talk. Uh, I'll talk about a film uh, that makes me uh, extremely eager to see what its maker does in the future, which is a uh, Mexican film uh, called All the Light We Can See, uh, Pablo Escoto Luna. Um, this was a film that really caught me by surprise. I think a number of us um, were, were, uh, were similarly kind of like disarmed um, by it. It is, I guess I would call it a sort of metaphysical period epic uh, with, um, with, with a lot of uh, beautiful uh, poetry and visual ideas and so on. I think it is you know, we refer to in the blurb as like a, it's a daring work of minimalist gestures on a maximalist canvas, which I think um, that's, that's fitting. And that kind of like, um, that connects it to the kinds of traditions that I, I think it's like drawing from uh, the work of um, the kind of like great mannerists like uh, Strobuier, uh, Pedro Costa, uh, et cetera. Um, but I think it's also something quite different um, uh, from from those films. Um, I think it, it it goes to to very different places and touches on totally different textures, moods, uh, ideas, and so on. Um, I'm probably doing a I'm probably uh, doing a pretty inadequate job, like giving you a sense of what the film is like, and that's that's for the best, I think. Um, but uh, I would say that of all the films in this year's lineup, I might. I might be the most excited about seeing this one on a big screen. Uh, the way it was, well, you know, we all we all saw it on a small screen, and it's clearly a big screen. It's a it's a film of a, a big screen visual poetry. So I, I look forward to seeing this in the theater. Yeah, visually, that film looks really stunning. I think the use of colors, uh, the way the mise en scène uh, is 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 on screen. It would it will look really amazing. I can do some more if anyone, and then, and then I'll and then I'll I'll take a break. Um, um, another, uh, uh, you know, we're talking about the the diversity of the lineup, and uh, it's not every year that uh, we get an opportunity to show uh, a Dominican uh, film. Uh, this year is one such year where uh, we're showing a film entitled *Laborio*, uh, directed by Nino uh, Martinez Sosa. Uh, it premiered. I, yeah, I guess its world premiere was at Rotterdam and. In January. Um, this is uh, a really distinctive, uh, fascinating film. It's it's again a kind of um, a kind of period uh, period work um, set in the very early twentieth century in in the DR, and it is like uh, it's it's at once um, sort of a quasi ghost story, like tale of resurrection, but it's also just like a you know, it's a great uh, portrayal of like political rebellion uh, and um, it ends up, you know, it's this kind of like anti-colonial parable uh, that uh, is, is, that has like these very, very interesting, I think, narrative and uh, visual ideas uh, throughout. Um, again, it's a very visually striking film, but it's also like, I was just re-watching it earlier and I think it, um, the thing that stands out for me most is it has such a distinctive rhythm, really, um, this really kind of like 
absorbing hypnotic uh, rhythm to it that I think um, goes a long way towards like uh, getting you to receive its, its, its ideas and, and its feelings and so on. So I would, uh, yes, I would give a shout out to Laborio, not to be missed. Thank you. Uh, Tyler, would you like to mention one or two films that you would like to recommend to the audience? Sure. Um, I guess on the on the topic of the newest new directors, <clears throat> I'll shout out uh, this uh, a Ukrainian uh, feature debut uh, called Stop Zemlya uh, by Katerina Gorinostai. Uh, it's it's becoming one of those films that uh, that I keep coming back to. Um, Maybe it's because we, I, I don't think it's just because we watched it quite late in the game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in, in terms of plot, it it, uh, it focuses on a, an introverted introverted young girl uh, who's sort of feeling like an outsider and, and parsing her feelings uh, of attraction to someone in her high school and also sort of dealing with a secret admirer of her own. But the film kind of is much more than that. It's It's a film about an entire sort of class of seniors uh, growing up in, in Ukraine. They're, um, they're just sort of dealing with, uh, you know, the, the anxiety and the stress that comes with uh, graduation. But yeah, no, I, I, it's just a film that I keep thinking about in terms of, well, many, like many, I think elements, like it's, it's, it's images, the, the, the performances, which are really incredible, certain lines of dialogue, then uh, the, the pacing and, and how the film moves, but, and just generally how uh, Katerina sort of renders this really complex like network of, of teenage relationships with such, such honesty and, and I think tenderness uh, and patience, uh, it, it really shows. And um, yeah, there is a, a, a blend of documentary and, and narrative to this film. And I, I guess it's not unusual for for films to take that approach these days, but yeah, I think um, you'll if if you watch this film, you'll you'll see that it it shows like I think a rare a rare sense of how inventive that could actually be without necessarily sacrificing honesty uh, or sensitivity. Um, yeah, that, uh, it, it it's true. I mean, in terms of uh, honesty and and pacing of the film, I was also very struck by it. Um, it definitely has a documentary feeling to it. Um, you could watch a film thinking it's a documentary because they're so honest and they're so, uh, um, there's a, a lot of shyness and a lot of grace in the, the characters, the way, the way we're shown. They're not like, even when they're crazy, they're not obnoxious, braggy. They're like such a different tones to, to the way they're portrayed. And I felt so much emotion and, and, and so much love for them. And I think it's, it's not an easy thing to do uh, when you show movies with young people, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I think the film is like very alive, like these young people. Um, it has this dynamic, episodic structure and it guides us into these teenagers' worlds, like moving very spontaneously from parties, dances, classrooms, and family life. And I, I think it's a, it, it feels really authentic and youthful. And seriously, like, have you ever even seen a film about teenagers when you don't ever see anyone horrible? <laughs> they are all just like such lovely human beings, which is so refreshing. Yeah, they are. I mean, but yeah, there, and but like there, it's not like total. It's a film that isn't like totally shying away from the sort of hard realities of of mm -hmm. growing up at that age. And like, I think the filmmaker really does find like subtle ways of 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 suggesting, uh, you know, parental issues or or certain characters who are bullied, uh, or just just generally not necessarily having having someone to blame, but just feeling uncomfortable in your own skin. I mean, that's sort of the main character in the film. Uh, and there is a, a focus on, on uh, her, but yeah, it is really very much an ensemble film where uh, I think every student has their moment at, at a certain point in the film. And uh, yeah, it, it's so clear that um, the directors 
like completely fascinated with with each of her characters and i think that's pretty infectious because at least for me like i i, I could continue seeing a, um, a a longer version of this film that sort of tracks these characters even more or, or a series or i don't know a seven up style uh, <laughs> approach yeah mm -hmm. Our sponsors include Amazon Studios, presenting Borat's subsequent movie film, hailed as the best film of the year by the New York Times. Now nominated for two Academy Awards for Best Supporting Actress, Maria Bakalova, and Adapted Screenplay. Borat's subsequent movie film is the winner of two Golden Globe Awards, including Best Picture, and a WGA Award for Outstanding Adapted Screenplay, streaming on Prime Video. This episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber, presenting Slalom from director Charlene Favier. An official selection of the Cannes Film Festival and Rendezvous with French Cinema, Slalom follows the relationship between a teenage ski prodigy, Noi Abita in a breakthrough role, and her predatory instructor, played by frequent Dardenne Brothers collaborator, Jeremy Renier. David Ehrlich of IndieWire says Slalom is shot with the kineticism of bodies in motion and the sensitivity of an early Celine Sciamma film. Slalom is now playing in select theaters and virtual cinemas nationwide. Learn more at kinomarquee.com. You know, while we're talking about young people, shall we talk about short vacation? Yes, we love short vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Different type of young people, they are much younger. So this, this is a, a Korean film made by um, two young men, um, Kwon Min Pyo and Seo Han So. Um, I think they might be around 30 years old, but the film is about four middle school girls. <laughs> and um, they are um, in the middle of their summer vacation and they have to do a photography project. Um, the, the subject of the project is um, end of the world. And so in the innocent mind, the end of the world is the end of the subway line. So they just very leisurely goes into the, uh, they, they, they spend this whole day like taking a train and then getting lost and taking photographs. And why I really want to talk about this film is because um, this film doesn't use bells and whistles, like formal bells and whistles to, to, to impress you. It, 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 it uses minimalism and in a very surprising way. And I always think about what cinema is. It is basically um, image plus sound set against time. And um, magic can happen. And um, that magic, you, you cannot get that from training. You can go to film schools and you can learn technical things. You can, you know how to hold a camera, but um, how to combine these things and suddenly you feel like there's magic going on. It is basically instinct and talent. And so I'm totally seeing that in this film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a film, I think, uh, I mean, I don't want to speak on behalf of everyone, but uh, it's also a film we show very late in the process. Uh, but we, if, I mean, I felt like an, an immediate uh, love and uh, compassion for the film and for the character. And in a way, a film that seems so simple and so easy to, in a way, to describe. It's like these this four like, young girls are going on their trip looking for the end of the railroad uh, uh, and getting, getting lost. It um, has a lot of more like, uh, complexity to it than what the film would let to, you to imagine. Uh, it's also a film that um, also stays stays in me, and I think about her and I, I, about these girls, and uh, how we get to to know more about them, and how you want to know more about them as it goes along, and when you see uh, how they relate to each other, and how they, the the friendship are evolving in a very very short period of time. But also it's a very interesting age to depict on, on screen, I think, because people are just on the cusp of changing. Uh, but it's, it's not as easy as it looks to do, as, as you would say, it takes talent, uh, tremendous amount of talent. Uh, and also, are you keep the character like very, 
uh, I would say, like fresh on the surface. Like you don't want to spoil them and you don't want to uh, make them overbearing and, and to like discussing everything. And in a way, it seems like a very um, anti-American way of, of showing teenagers on screen where uh, I feel it's, it gets like, uh, especially in series and a lot of films where every emotion is described, I did with music in the background and you know what everybody's feeling at every moment, which is a complete opposite of what type of film like we're, we're discussing. Yeah, I think, you know, for like, I like we were talking a bit about like the rhythm of films earlier. And I think this is one where even though it's about, um, I think, you know, it's about like uh, big subjects, right? Like, like uh, the way the world, the way you sort of like initially experience the world when you're, when you're a kid and how like uncanny that uncanny that can be and so on. Um, it's, it's a very like light and easy uh, film to watch, I think. And it's like, squaring that circle of like uh substantiality you know like you know like when a film is like really um is really like substantial but it just it keeps moving along sort of inoxidably um uh like that i think that's maybe that's like what cinema is supposed to be you know <laughs> um uh but uh no yes i i i echo my colleague's sentiments about this film totally totally delightful yeah, um, I, for me, I, I also just loved, yeah, listening to these characters talk to each other because, yeah, I, I think it goes back to that, that sense of authenticity that, you know, I feel like we're really starved for when it comes to films about young people. Um, yeah, it, it feels so, listening to them speak just really about anything, just, uh, just, it, just the topic of being friends with each other is brought up at some point. And uh, yeah, it's written, it's spoken, I think like right on point, there's an earnestness to it, but it's never sent like saccharin or anything like that. Um, it's, it's just a very sweet movie. Um, I, I think we can talk a bit more about other films we want to recommend, but uh, before we run out of time, I will, uh, would be nice to hear from Maddie about the, the short programs, uh, and then we can go back to the feature uh, pending in time. Uh, since you were working on this for quite a long time uh, with your uh, partner at MoMA, so uh, can you talk a little bit about these uh, programs and some highlights? Or uh, It's two programs of shorts, I believe. Yes, it's 11 short films across two programs, which I uh, programmed with my MoMA counterpart, Brittany Shaw. Uh, and I, uh, something that you said, La, and that you said, France, um, stuck with me when you were talking about how exciting it is to think about these filmmakers in terms of what they're going to go on to make because they are so early in their career. And I think in some ways that's especially acute with short filmmakers, you know, watching so many of these really talented, often young uh, filmmakers pour their talents into the short film format, um, ultimately just, I think, creates a lot of excitement for what they will go on to make in longer formats and, or in, you know, in continuing to explore the short format. Um, so it was, it, it's, it's a very exciting, um, kind of program to think about in those terms. And when we selected the films, uh, we sort of selected a pool of 11 films and then decided, or sort of looked at the films and decided how to break them down into programs that way. And um, sort of organically, it shook out in such a way that it became clear that we had a set of films that were, uh, that sort of hinge on a two-person relationship of some kind and and the the dynamic between two lovers or two family members or um, two friends and then a set of films that really explored ideas of community of belonging of um, sort of um, human relationships between many people or a group of people um, and so that was how we broke down the two shorts programs. Um, one is five films and one is six films. 
they are they represent 16 different nationalities different, different countries based on uh, co-productions so uh, wow. it's really quite a diverse uh, shorts lineup um, and I you know I, I could call out individual films but I almost hesitate to do that because um, I love both of the shorts programs very much and and uh, want to encourage our audience to check them out um, but I would say um, Let's see. If I had to, if I had to <laughs> mention highlights from each program, uh, there's a film in program one called um, "Heaven Reaches Down to Earth," which was directed by Tabogo Malabogo, who is a South African filmmaker who actually uh, we have hosted before uh, in a shorts program in the New York Film Festival uh, in 2019, and this is his next film. Uh, so he's he's on the rise, I think, uh, and, and we're we're excited to see what he continues to do. But it's a it's a film about two young men who are um, on a camping trip or some kind of expedition in a in a nature preserve in South Africa, and it's a very lyrical, very poetic um, kind of a vignette about this experience that these two men share. Um, and it's really gorgeous to look at, really, really striking use of landscape and light. And um, so that's that was a, a highlight of program one. And program two, uh, again, difficult. I, I can't choose a favorite. It's, it's like <laughs> choosing a favorite child. Um, but one that I was very fond of in program two is called Limousine uh, by Lithuanian. Love Limousine. <laughs> yes, right. Isn't it? Isn't it great? Isn't it just? Yeah. It's just a, a very buoyant film, a very mm -hmm. sort of warm film. It's it's a documentary short um, that follows groups of of people in the city of Vilnius who are taking uh, limousine rides together, and they. Uh, there's a group of children, a, a group of teenagers, I think maybe a couple groups of teenagers, um, a group of university students who go to a school for the deaf, uh, a group of um, middle-aged older ladies who are out on the town uh, together. And it it's, uh, withholds commentary and it weaves the conversations and, and um, sort of rhythms of these groups in a really interesting way um, to just provide sort of a, a cross section of life in this city. And it's, it's really lovely. And, and I think it's sort of um, emblematic of the spirit that brings together the films in that program. So um, that, that's my plug, but um, just some really lovely, some really lovely work in there. So check it out. Um, one thing that maybe we can just like touch upon it's like uh, often these um, directors will start with a short film uh, often a new director new film or even a new York film festival or the program end up making feature film that we uh, um, that we find uh, great uh, interesting and uh, we program then in subsequently like festival like new director new film or new york film festival and i know that uh, tyler also like has programmed the shorts before uh, maddie uh, dan and i also have programmed shorts uh, and it's very exciting when you see like a short, a short filmmaker whose work you really liked and you but you know like not everybody end up making like films after like sometimes it's like you know it's um it's not a career that everybody can do. And you're like, oh my God, I like programmed your first short film. And now you, you know, like you are nominee at Oscar or something like this. And, uh, and it's, it's always something that um, we, we like to, to see. Um. Yeah, there's, um, there's actually one filmmaker uh, who has a feature this year uh, who was featured in New Directors with a short a couple of years ago. Uh, uh, Jacqueline uh, Lenso mm -hmm. uh, for Moon 66 Questions. Um, yeah, I wanted you to mention this. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you see, it was, it's very uh, subtle. <laughs> I really took the bait then, but uh, yeah, uh, well, uh, that this film, Moon 66 Questions, uh, 
is, I, I, I think it's a really quiet, uh, moving film about um, the the painful process of of taking care of a of a loved one, um, especially one uh, whom you might have uh, with whom you might have unresolved issues. Um, this uh, this film stars um, uh, Sophia Coccoli, uh, who's um, who's been an actress in, in Jacqueline's films, uh, where her two previous shorts, especially um, that one of which was a, a film that we shown in New Directors. But um, anyway, her her film or her character in this film um, has to take care of her father, who's been diagnosed with. Uh, MS, uh, and there is this—you—you you come to realize there is this clear rift between them that has never been really resolved. Um, and sort of what makes this film even more complicated is that he doesn't really have this or like ability to just talk about that while she's taking care of him. Uh, so it's—it's it's a, a a conflict or a problem that is sort of just hovering throughout the film and um, what I think what really makes this movie interesting and, and, and pretty captivating is just how that problem is, is never really expressed in words throughout the movie. Um, but rather, you know, for the most part, Sophia's performance, um, her gestures, the way she, she moves around her father and, and just how that dynamic sort of is, is sort of choreographed across the film. Um, there's maybe, I mean, we have a little bit of extra time. So I, there's one film um, I would like to discuss as a film that I thought was uh, quite um, unique. Uh, it's a sort of Australian comedy. So I know when you say it like this, it doesn't sound that <laughs> Uh, exciting, but it's actually um, a very, very interesting movie called uh, Friends and Strangers by James Vaughan. Uh, I believe it premiered in Rotterdam also, uh, and it's a movie that uh, I was immediately taken by it, uh, by the, the, the tone um, and the sort of the way the director is, seems to be uh, following his characters with a uh, usual and unusual um, uh, life. Uh, and it, it brings so many deeper discussion about like what Australia represents, the past and the, the brutality of the past of uh, Australia as a country. Uh, and in a very unusual way, by, uh, it's, it's, there's a lot of like little subtle hints that are coming in the discussion or things in the background. And then you, you're very taken by the, it's like mostly like two, three or four characters like talking and trying to figure out like dating and like going on vacation or not dating anymore. Uh, but so many things happen around it. Uh, and it, but it's always by like little touches and it's, it has an amazing also sense of humor um, that uh, I find very, very unusual. And I was really, really uh, amazed by that movie. So I'm very glad you're showing it. Uh, maybe Dan wants to add something about Friends and Strangers because we did talk about the film quite a bit. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll admit that like Australian comedies are kind of a blind spot uh, for, for me. Um, but uh, if they're all this good. Uh, no, I mean, um, yeah, I think I just think that this it's like a it's again, it's it's a film that has like a, a lightness to it. It's really funny, I think, uh, particularly um, particularly the kind of this kind of protracted scene that comprises most of the film's second half that I won't spoil. Uh, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I just, you know, it's, I, I think it's like a very sort of like, it's kind of a tender, you know, um, uh, just slight, lightly touching, but not too touching kind of, kind of comedy, uh, uh, Good gags, uh, you know. Um, I think you know uh, stylistically, I find it very, very engaging, very easy to, very easy film to watch. Um, so yeah, I don't know if I have that much more. To, it was a film that we talked about a lot, 
Um, but I don't. I guess it's easier to talk about it once you've seen it because it's hard not to spot it. Um, yes. As, yeah. as I was speaking <laughs> about it, I was like, "Where well, was like VC?" And I was like, "No, I can't. You can't. It's yeah. You don't want to spot it." But I, th I think, um, I think fans of like like Romare comedies from the eighties and nineties will like this film. I'll just I'll I'll just leave I'll just leave there. I'll, because, I'll leave that there. Uh, they, I'm sure fans of Romare from the eighties are looking out for a good Australian comedy. Well, they have. They should start <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so. It's it's true. <laughs> Um, and maybe there's one other film that I would like to discuss a little bit. It's called uh, New uh, We. It's by Alice Diop, who's an um, up-and-coming documentarian from France. Uh, she has, I don't think we've shown anything by her in the in New Director before, uh, but it's not our first documentary, but it's the first, like, um, I think it's her first uh, uh, feature length film. Uh, she um, set up the, the film as um, going around uh, a train around Paris that goes through the suburbs. It's called the RRB uh, and, and bringing uh, family history and family relationship into the film. So it has a lot of like personal and um, very moving story about her family, uh, her parents, um, and, and what she wanted from her family and couldn't get. Uh, she still has her sister. And at the same time, it's a very um, inclusive film because as she travels through the area, she meets a lot of, or she, she shows a lot of different people who are uh, extremely different from uh, where she's coming from. And it's, um, it's, it's very moving, it's very touching to see how she talks about and show people who are in a completely different set of uh, social class, uh, different uh, set of like living. And so many people are in there and it's, that's why also the title like new works really well for a film like this. It's a really beautiful essay. Uh, and I've seen a lot of essay about suburbs or, you know, like all people like, like, you know, the misery of the suburbs, but you don't feel the misery of the suburb. You feel the beauty of the people and you feel the community and you feel the differences also. And how is it possible that like so close together with like people who are like still upset that uh, the royals were killed during the revolution. And then next to it, you have like, mechanics uh, like living like homeless, but still with a strong sense of purpose in life. Uh, and I think Alice is a very, very talented documentarian and she's gonna really continue to uh, astonish us with, with her work. Uh, and then after we programmed the film, I also learned that the Centre Pompidou is uh, working on a program with her uh, where they're gonna show like all her work and uh, hopefully we'll, it's something we'll be able to do also at Climatical um, Center or like maybe, I can't speak on behalf of MoMA, but you know, it'd be nice to show all of our work. Uh, so it's a film that I'm really glad we are able to, to show in the festival. I might, I might just, um, I might, clear, yeah, like as far as the, 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 the setting, I guess we should like, you know, um, by, by suburbs, I guess we mean like the banlieue, which is quite, quite different than like the suburbs as we know them. Uh, oh, sorry. In, yes. No, no, I mean, it's, uh, but. Housing uh, project. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but. Um, you don't mean New Jersey, right? But I, how about, how about this? To see what I'm talking about, uh, watch the film and then. And then you'll know exactly what I what I what I mean, I guess. But uh, in any event, yeah. suburb from Paris is different from uh, the suburbs where we move with to buy a big house. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, I think there was uh, some question from the audience about the scheduling of the festival, which we just finished. Uh, I'm not really sure. I mean, it's going to become public in the next couple of days. I don't know exactly which day. Uh, so every film virtually uh, will have uh, five-day windows. Uh, so on the MoMA platform, I believe it's for the members, for the MoMA membership, correct? 
Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And for us at FEMA Lincoln Center, um, uh, well, I guess you have to pay if you're not a MoMA member on the MoMA platform. Um, and then it's a five-day windows. I think there's also a bundle uh, where you can buy uh, packages with like all the films, uh, which give you um, a longer uh, viewing period. Um, and the schedule will be available, I think, uh, on our website in the next couple of days because it was just uh, approved. It was a little bit complicated to put it together uh, because there's two platforms and also a physical component where all the film will play in the world to read like, uh, I think twice. Um, and it's going on sale to the general public on the 16th and I think for members on the 13th. Is that what, that's isn't tomorrow. what you said at the beginning? Yeah. Tomorrow? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry, we're, we're six hours apart. I'm very confused by the timing. <laughs> uh, so hopefully uh, all the information will be easily accessible for the members and people who are interested in watching these movies um, in New York or nationally, if people can. Yeah, and the retro program starts this Friday, which is earlier than the festival, so don't miss that. Um, a member is bringing up a good point through a question um, that if the schedule is, if the, the films are on sale tomorrow, that, that means the schedule will be available tomorrow as well. Uh, so. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It does make sense. <laughs> you cannot buy a ticket if the schedule is not available. So uh, as soon as the tickets are available, the schedule will be available with it. And I I guess I'm very tired because it's close to midnight <laughs> and I didn't really think when I said that. Flo, in your, uh, in your defense, thank you I, for <laughs> making in your me defense, stupid. I found, that, I found that to be a chicken or the egg uh, uh, situation myself. So uh, uh -huh. yes, uh, maybe I'm tired too. <laughs> yeah, okay. So yes, it'd be um, available when tickets are on sales, which Tyler knew the answers. <laughs> Um, I don't know if there's any other questions or any other things we want to... There's a, uh, there's a question about physical screenings at MoMA. There, there won't be any physical screenings at MoMA. What? Might... What a surprise! I'm shocked to hear this, La. You no, I would also add that I might add some surprises. So if they have to be surprises, then I'm not going to tell you now. <laughs> Watch, watch the space. It's like another kind of chicken or egg thing. Um, yeah, I have to uh, say that it was, we were very fortunate by the opening of the cinema like, scheduled for April because we were really not sure it was going to be possible. It was not easy to uh, reopen after such a long closure. So we're really, really, really excited that we're able to have the festival uh, back on, um, on the Walter Reed, even if it's with uh, limited capacity and uh, obviously like all the uh, safety measures that uh, people have to take. But I think for people who really miss the screening room, it's, uh, it's a really lovely opportunity uh, to watch a lineup. I'll answer these are two other questions. Um, yes, all the films will be shown in Walter Reed. And the other one is MoMA members will access all the films in the retrospective in the 2021 edition, just like the way you watch anything else on MoMA's virtual cinema platform. Yes, no physical screening at MoMA, but La has promised us that maybe there'll be a surprise, but it could be for the next edition of New Director New Film. I don't know what she means. Surprises. This year, next year. Surprises. <laughs> to give it a surprise yeah if you knew it if you knew what she meant it wouldn't be a surprise <laughs> exactly. it's, right, it's right there in the name yeah <laughs> all right i think we're cracking up maybe we should maybe we should uh, leave it there <laughs> well it was really nice to uh see uh nearly the entire committee and two people did not join us uh, three people with Brittany. uh but it was nice to 
be talking with uh, Dan Tyler, Maddie, and La about this year's edition. And I hope the audience will enjoy the the results of our work uh, so, and, and the work of the directors, obviously. Um, so I think we can uh, say goodbye and hopefully we answered all the questions. I didn't make too much of a fool of myself by uh, not knowing the schedule. And I, I, I can't believe I get to say this for the first time in over a year, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you at the movies. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See you at the movies. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for uh, listening. And uh, until the next time. Bye. Our sponsors include Amazon Studios presenting Time, now nominated for an Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature, winner of two IDA Awards, two Cinema Eye Honors, a Doc NYC Award, and named Best Documentary by the LA Film Critics, streaming now on Prime Video. This episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber, presenting Slalom from director Charlene Favier and starring Noya Bita and Jeremy Renier. An official selection of the Cannes Film Festival and Rendezvous with French Cinema, Slalom is now playing in select theaters and virtual cinemas nationwide.